0: Welcome to Gotham TV Podcast Episode 61, looking at Gotham Season 2 Episode 10, The Son of Gotham.
1: Hey, this is Drew Powell. I play Butch zine on Gotham, and you are listening to Gotham TV Podcast.
0: Welcome back, Gothamites, to this episode of our podcast, Gotham TV Podcast, which is now on episode 61, where we are looking at episode 10, The Son of Gotham. I am one of your hosts, John. And I'm one of your other hosts, Derek. Welcome back. Great to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, really good to be back. Um, really good episode as well. And yeah. um, absolutely a lot of um x versus y going on absolutely. in this episode really things become a lot clearer with regards to Galavan's plans and it's just really ramped up um and
1: was really good yeah um i think in this episode definitely and it's also quite a big week for Gotham lots of news coming out this week from over in fox tv in the us
0: Yeah, we have a season three. I mean, I was getting pretty nervous there that we hadn't heard any kind of news about um, a potential for a season three. There there seemed to have been nothing at the TCAs over the the winter from Fox or from Warner Brothers or from DC maybe indicating that there was going to be a season three. There'd be none of that. It really had been kind of, just had nothing about its future. Um, And so... This is excellent news that it's got a a season three, um, and I presume it will be another 22 episodes. So, I mean, obviously, you know, this is really uh, getting some good traction for Fox. um, And certainly that's good news considering there was some, you know, some talk of some sort of poorer numbers coming out at the start of season two. So, you know, and I have to say the, the episodes are really, really getting into a groove. Like, they're really finding themselves um, in a really good niche, I think, um, which not only has an exploration of Gotham, but it is also um, harking back to a whole range of different influences that Gotham has, whether it's the kookiness of Batman 66, some of the gothic elements that have come from Tim Burton's Batman, but also then with Christopher Nolan's Batman, and sort of those elements as well uh really really um really good mixture of influences i think on this and and they're beginning to get blended uh
1: nicely i i think so really good that
0: there's a season three
1: absolutely yeah i was getting to the point where i was searching out what time of the year we had the season two confirmation Uh, it was actually around january 28th which was around the tcas last year i think the big difference this season has been that uh, we had the big break. So in the US, they aired episode 1 to 11 and had a huge break right up until the start of March um, with episode uh, episode 12. So uh, it it seems like Fox were waiting for episode 12 and 13 to air just to have a kind of a, a sync to make sure that the show was definitely keeping up its numbers and in fact when it came back after the break it, it had higher numbers than when it left so um so it seems to have been all about the numbers for fox That seems to have worked out really well for them uh so great to see we're gonna get go a season three uh, of the show another another 22 episode season coming up uh the other obviously uh, kind of worry that we have over here is that channel five are significantly later airing uh, the show than they were last year we started our podcast on uh, on season two at the start of january so um so yeah, I'm wondering if Channel 5 will pick up the show next year again. Um, it'll obviously depend on the local ratings for, for the show on their channel. Uh, if it's doing really well, maybe it'll join, uh, maybe it'll be picked up by Sky and join all the rest of the DC shows over there in, in our country. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see what we, what we see over here, whether, uh, whether there will be a pickup. Um, but we probably won't hear an announcement on that until closer to when it airs. So if it does the same as this year and it airs in January of uh, 2017, uh, we probably won't hear that it's been picked up until probably late this year. So um we'll be crossing our fingers that it gets picked up pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, or we'll hear that it's been picked up, but then we'll hear that there is really no uh, release date for it until uh, much later on. Yeah. Um, like. To me, that was a big issue for uh, fans over in Ireland and the UK of the show. Mm-hmm. Like, it was really late. And, I mean, hopefully they don't follow uh, down that path again because, um, you know, in this day and age, yes, it's you're not supposed to download and so on. Mm-hmm. But people do that. And, I mean, you see it, some of the bigger shows, um, you know, the way they're trying to combat that now is really to remove that difference between the the U.S. date uh, and Dates in other countries, yeah. whether it be Canada, whether it be in the UK or Ireland or or wherever, and I, I think that's the only way to go in in this day and age. Is that programs are made by national broadcasters or networks which are screened around the world they aren't national uh, TV programs anymore yeah. that may get picked up six years down the line like I remember Star Trek d- being done um two in, years ago, in, later, well it was so. even longer I mean BBC two used to wear them at 6 p.m uh, and you know we were like three years behind yeah uh, and I mean that just doesn't happen anymore and even if it did, um, the internet makes that redundant. Yeah, absolutely. Like we did know. Or Netflix or, or Amazon Prime. It's yeah. all being made redundant, this
1: geographical difference. Absolutely. Yeah, it's one of the things we did notice that when we started seeing the episodes air on Channel 5 and even just their announcements of when episodes were coming up, there was a lot of vitriol out there from the audience that had followed the first season of the show, uh, getting more and more angry about the fact they were getting spoiled. Uh, we were starting to get a bit spoiled in some of the episodes, but luckily we've been able to keep pretty spoiler free on the episodes as we see them and as the big twists and turns up and happening, we've been pretty good at keeping ourselves uh, blocked off from some of the major spoilers, which is great. But we still get
0: them, and I suppose the biggest concern for me is that actually it's impacted on Channel 5's audience, which means that they won't pick it up next Mm. year because the the audience numbers uh, for the UK, for Ireland, just aren't good enough to justify doing it. And that will have resulted as one of the factors... Um, because they decided to air uh, the first episode what four months after it was aired in the US. Absolutely. And Sad as it may sound, that would be one of the primary
1: reasons. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like a self fulfilling prop prophecy, really. You know, uh, the season was split in two in the US for for that kind of reason, so that they kept the audience every week. Uh, it would have been nice if we had that in the in the UK and Ireland as well. Uh, there was no breaks in the first eleven episodes. It would have been reasonably easy. And most shows that are shown on the UK TV are eleven to twelve episodes long, so it wouldn't be like a real shocker to put on 12 episodes followed by 12 episodes a couple of weeks later. You know? And
0: and just one other kind of downer, I suppose, would be that, um, you know, we still have no idea whether an Irish national broadcaster will be airing Gotham. And um, right. last year, RT2 Erd Gotham, Mm -hmm. um, around about March-April time. Um, This year, we've heard nothing. Now, it could just spring out of uh, a jack-in-a-box, so to speak. Um, It could just come from nowhere. But so far, we have absolutely no idea whether even a a national broadcaster here in Ireland is going to take up Season 2. So, um, it doesn't feel particularly secure about when and how and if a season three will be aired over here in um at least the uk and ireland even though we're absolutely stoked that it's got season three um scheduled by fox and the production of it absolutely yeah yeah and i mean we've we've gotten some feedback from um some of our followers on twitter some of the people on our facebook group and so on you know that um, are really happy about uh, the commissioning of a third season of Gotham? Uh, Dawn says, "I'm so happy. Just recently, me um and a few other guys and, and gals talked about when we would get news of a renewal, and I hadn't even considered it wouldn't. I wouldn't know what to do if I, if it wasn't renewed. I'd probably cry. So I'm so relieved." Um. <laughs> Claire Payne says, amazing news. So happy for Gothamites and everyone involved in the making of Gotham that it's been renewed. Uh, Again, Samantha Reader goes, fantastic news. One of the best shows on TV for sure for for me. Uh, Linda Martin, fantastic news to wake up to. I was getting worried I hadn't heard anything about renewal. So again, a bit like ourselves. You know, we were here thinking... Where's this news? And particularly because they were in a quite large break between the first part and second part of, of uh season two that yeah. you kind of thought this is maybe a bit of dead space where that news can be um published and released to everyone to really keep everyone sort of up on on Gotham, at least in North America. So this is, this is, this is really good news. Absolutely. Absolutely. There may be still a few questions about how it will do or what will happen over at least in Ireland and the UK. Mm -hmm. Um, But certainly
1: it's great news that it's been taken up for a third season. And at the very least, maybe we'll see some episodes over in New York like we did last year and be able to podcast about them pretty quickly after they're released for at least the start of the season, so hopefully. Um, One other bit of news that came out this week is we're going to put this in the kind of category of rumour at the moment because Fox have registered a trademark for a TV show called Pennyworth, uh, supposedly connected to Gotham. Uh, kind of taking the cue from the Flash and Arrow universe, uh, which also is now involving Supergirl. Um, it looks like Gotham are looking to see if they can set up their own spin-offs uh, of characters from the show. So Pennyworth, obviously from the title, uh, is connected to Alfred Pennyworth. Pennyworth. Uh, not a huge amount known about it r- right now, but uh, could it be a show based around Alfred's time in, uh, in the army? Could it be the time that Alfred spends on his own when Bruce goes off training, uh, which may happen in a year or two time? Um, I'm really hoping that doesn't happen. I'm really hoping that we won't lose lose uh, David Mazous from the show. Um, but yeah, really interesting concept, you know, this whole, the, possibly the whole history of the Pennyworth family and their connection to the Waynes and what they used to do in their, in their past. It'd be quite interesting to do. Yeah,
0: that would be really good to see the history of the Pennyworths, um, with the Waynes, um, certainly given we've seen, uh, the Waynes and, uh, the Dumas, um, playing out in history and just seeing how that, uh, works then also with the Pennyworths uh, as the the loyal uh, butlers and servants to the Waynes mm-hmm. uh, or valets uh, at moving forward into the modern world. But um, <clears throat> that would be really interesting, even in relation to the Court of Owls comics. That There's a really good kind of side section in those comics that look at some of the more distant relatives of Thomas and Martha Wayne and the Pennyworths. So that could be really good. Um, I hope they don't necessarily look at his time in the army. I think anything divorced from the Waynes and from Gotham, I think, would feel strange for mm. me. I'm not entirely sure how that would work or if it would work. Um, it would be good that that show could delve into that history and flashback. Yeah, but um, I I would also even love to see just um Alfred a- and Bruce together in their own thing. Mm. Um, maybe looking more at the the. The training that he gives them, because I mean, you know, this episode is a case in point where Alfred on screen, being Bruce's protector against Tabitha, really good, really tense, really dynamic, mm-hmm. and certainly a big question mark as to well what's just happened and what is going to happen to Alfred. And we've seen it in other um, episodes where Bruce and Alfred ha- have been at the centre of it. Um, they've been really, really good um, episodes. Yeah. Some, some of my Favorite. So I would be really intrigued to see how um, a, a, a TV spin off that would be centered around um, Alfred Pennyworth uh, w- would work. Um, and certainly at this moment in time, I'm not entirely sure I could see anyone else other than Sean Pertwee do it. Yeah. Um, it would have to be him. He has made a significant stamp on this character. And I think the writers of Gotham have really just expanded this character's um, qualities and and reason for being in this universe uh, beyond what the films have done even uh, and certainly beyond what sort of other TV iterations of Batman have done. It's really placed him central to Bruce's development but also the world of Gotham and uh, you know the making of Batman, so this yeah. would
1: be really good, I reckon absolutely yeah it's an interesting idea that the show was originally kind of proposed as the creation of Batman in itself, and the idea that they might split off two of those main characters in the creation of Batman uh is would be quite interesting uh, I'm wondering if it possibly is uh is you know potentially while Alfred is at war. Uh, and his father's relationship with Thomas Wayne may be explored, uh, but definitely very interesting. Uh, one bit of feedback that we did get about this news came from Natalie, um, who said that uh, it did remind her of the concept of Ripper, which was supposed to be the spinoff from Buffy of... Uh, of the character of Giles, where he's where he's at home in England, um, completely separate from the universe of uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So I'm wondering if that's possibly the kind of idea that they're going for. Where, as I say, Bruce disappears off to do his training, and Alfred then gets his own show uh, of how he lives his life and what he does in the time that Bruce is away. But really interesting idea. Uh, definitely one of the characters that you want to see uh, a bit more of when he's on when he's on screen, anyway. So it'd be interesting to see what they do with that concept.
0: No, absolutely. Um but I, I think with that, um, you know, as always, we do our five points, uh our best, our worst, or in different points of, of the episode, we tend to try and pull out elements of Batman sixty six, maybe um Michael Keating's Batman or the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight elements that might infiltrate into um, this episode of Gotham. Uh, and of course, um, remember that you can find us um, and listen to us and subscribe to us and even review us um, on GothamTVPodcast.com forward slash iTunes or you can search Gotham TV Podcast on any other good podcast catcher, such as podcast addict, beyond pod, player FM, or stitcher, if you will. Remember, if you review us, it really does help other people to find the podcasts and to listen in. Um, and of course, as we've already discussed with some feedback on the new season three of Gotham, if you have anything about the, the new season three that's been commissioned by Fox, um, anything about spin-off shows, any other rumors or conjecture, then please send that into feedback at GothamTVpodcast.com. And of course, you can search for us on Facebook. Just search Gotham TV podcast and you can join our page like our group. Or is that the other way around, I think? I'm not entirely <laughs> sure. And of course, we're on Twitter with at GothamTVPodcast uh, Twitter handle. So yeah. please join us as we live tweet each episode, which airs on Channel 5 at 10pm every Monday night. That's uh, right. We're slightly behind on, on this um season so far, but there's a lot going on at the moment. But I think to start us off, Derek, what is our little bits and bobs of production notes that you have for this episode of Gotham.
1: Yeah, good to get into this episode. Uh, This episode is obviously episode 10 of season two of Gotham, The Son of Gotham, uh, directed by Rob Bailey, who also directed the episodes Knock Knock and Penguin's Umbrella uh, back in season one. Oh, a big episode, yeah. Yeah. Really good episode. Uh, And written by John Stevens, who's written six episodes of Gotham, right the way back to episode three of Gotham, The Balloon Man, uh, and he's written some great ones as well. Um, really good to have him <laughs> back on this episode. Yeah, Balloon Man is not one of
0: our favourites.
1: Certainly not, but he's, um, but he's written some great ones as well. But that is way behind us at this stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, John, do you want to tell us what John Stevens gave us in
0: this episode? Absolutely. He gave us a lot, I hasten to add. Mm-hmm. The Order of St. Dumas go about their mysterious task throughout Gotham as they set on apparently random victims in a sacrifice to atone Gotham of its sins. As the bodies begin to pile up, Jim Gordon and Harvey Bullock's investigation leads them to a secret crypt under Gotham where they learn that the Order's mission is not random, but is centred around the son of Gotham. And the son of Gotham must die. Meanwhile, Bruce, still going against Alfred's wishes, is kidnapped along with Silver St. Cloud by a man called Tom the Knife, apparently working for Wayne Enterprises. Under knife point, he manipulates Silver into revealing the name of Bruce's parent's apparent killer, just as Bruce reveals a darker, more deceptive trait to his personality. A concerned Alfred grows suspicious of Bruce's whereabouts and searches Theo's residence, hoping to find him, where he is confronted by Tabitha and seriously wounded in a fight with her. Elsewhere, the Trial of the Century sees Galavan acquitted of all charges levelled against him, (laughs) after Mur James states that Penguin had kidnapped, tortured, and threatened him to blame Galavan instead. With Theo free, he is set to complete his plan to cleanse Gotham as he kidnaps Gordon and makes a visit to Wayne Manor. Certainly not wrong. There's tons going on in this episode. Yeah, absolutely, loads. I think, and um, definitely, this is the th- this is kind of like the battle royale. This is the the matchup between differing um, protagonists within Gotham. I yeah. mean, this is like Mortal Combat in the TV world for me. It really did feel like uh, heads were being butted. Um, Old adversaries were
1: finally coming together, and mm-hmm. it, it was really, really good. Yeah, it was great, wasn't it? It's got it's got Bruce and Selena versus Silver. It's got Tabitha versus Alfred. It's got uh, obviously Jim versus Gallivan. So yeah, really good. Episode. Yeah,
0: it felt cathartic. Everything that's been held under a veil—it's all been secretive—and now it's that that mask is taken off. I mm-hmm. think you know Theo says it himself. You know Theo Gallivan is but a mask. I am. A uh, uh, Dumas, That's uh, right. and it's like uh, that has all finally gone uh, uh, and the truth is out uh, and the gloves can be put on for the big punch up right. so yeah. to speak you almost
1: quoted x-files there but it was close, it was close. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah really good episode um john do you want to kick us off with your first point absolutely and um, for me it is
0: jim and uh theo Gallivan. Mm-hmm. um this to me the courtroom scene were essentially like i'm starting at the end okay we galavan is acquitted by the judge um very quickly i i think but mm-hmm. nonetheless like he's acquitted and jim is there to watch this and this is a slap in in the face you know he at the start of the episode he's gone to really make the point that He's had to bury one of his colleagues, um, Officer Parks that day. That he blames Theo Gallivan for. Um, he blames, um, Commissioner Essam as well uh, f- with Gallivan plus whoever else. He obviously suspects that Gertrude Capopus as well ha- was a victim of Gallivan's and he's very conscious of, um, of Galavan being this master
1: manipulator, but also murderer. Yeah, I think he says that something like 10 other people is what he pins on him. All the cops that have died at the hands of Jerome, all the cops that have died at, uh, at his at Galavan's home were all killed by Galavan. That's the way he kind of added it up to about 13 or 14 kind of victims.
0: No, absolutely. And, and so, like, you know, Jim is seething. He is bubbling with, I mean, almost hatred for, oh, for yeah. this. And I, I do like the way that um, he goes back to, um, to his apartment or to Leslie's apartment. And there is that awkward moment between the two of them where again, you know, um, Leslie kind of says, you know, come to bed, trying to soothe him, you know, doctor's orders. And he just pulls away. He stays where he is and prefers at that moment in time, the bottle of whiskey yeah. as his comforter rather than his fiancee, Leslie Tompkins. And I mean, you know, that battle of, Um, whether he should have killed Eduardo the Flamingo or not is still there and is still playing into this whole... Sort of seething hatred for for Gallavan, and yeah. um, you know, I do like that they continued that um, that battle that Jim I think has to have for him to to come across as being kind of real, mm-hmm. um, and I, I like that you know Leslie says you had a choice to uphold the law or to become a murderer. You made the right choice. Okay, Jim is questioning that absolutely, but at least he's questioning it. At least it's not just happening, and yeah. this this is important for me. But I think ultimately I love how this all just overflows and and I mean I think actually for me this is one of the best scenes I've seen in Gotham because it's such a slow burn and that you have Galavan acquitted and you have him taunt Jim by asking the judge if he can you know address the public gallery and yeah. the jury with regards to his acquittal. Um, you know, he says the GCPD are still my heroes. There you go. Immediately all the deaths at the hands of Jerome. This is like, um, a red rag to a bull for Absolutely. Jim. Um, you know, I don't blame Jim Gordon, you know, but this means that Jim Gordon is going to blame himself that he is now acquitted mm-hmm. and then you know maybe we can shake hands and put this behind you and jim goes absolutely rabid and, and mad he's trying to beat him up and when he hits him yeah. like this was a, i loved it i i just thought that these two actors together in this brawl in the middle of the courtroom just really summed up um this resentment that jim gordon has for theo Galavan. I thought this was one of the best scenes I've seen Ben McKenzie do in Gotham uh, for a while, for mm-hmm. a long time. I absolutely loved it. He, I, I always think Ben McKenzie, when he is
1: physical uh, on the screen, is really, really good. Yeah. And this was fantastic. Oh, I totally agree with you. Really great scene. One of the other things I do like throughout the episode is that Jim is kind of signposting for the audience that he does not believe that Galavan's actually going to go down. he keeps constantly saying, yeah, but the only thing we have against him is the former mayor what happens if that goes wrong? This guy seems to have a plan. He knows it. he can see it in his eyes and nobody is believing him. All he's trying to do is get a bit more evidence and a bit more uh, on Galavan so it's not just all held together by one witness. He can be intimidated, you know? I like the intelligence of Jim in this episode. That's really smart of him to try and Absolutely. do that at least, you yeah. know? Um, but unfortunately, as you say, that moment where the uh, where the judge acquits Galavan is probably the quickest court case I've ever seen, you know? Uh, Harvey Dent, I don't know how he ever is going to make DA if this is <laughs> <laughs> the kind of case he puts together you know um it's like this guy the former mayor says that you mistreated him and oh no he's changed his mind he's changed the story okay well now you're acquitted and that's it that's kind of the end of the whole court case um right, but i do like as you say the, the intelligence of of jim throughout that that episode i love that it comes down to a good bit of fisticuffs in the in the in the courtroom as well that's really good
0: absolutely this is this is one of the best like tipping points I've seen in a show. Mm. Like Jim Gordon goes crazy. Um you know, he's mouthing off, he's throws a punch, he's wanting to throw more punches, probably strangle Theo and I mean even after all of that then he finds himself um strung up in a warehouse by the docks um and We just see, I mean, okay, we have Theo Gallivan here doing the classic James Bond bad guy, which is reveal everything uh, in front of him, uh, hoping and in his own mind, knowing that, you know, he's going to die. But, you know, we know that he's not going to. And it's like, why are you giving away all your (laughs) motives and plans and so on? But that fight scene then in the warehouse between the two of them, and you see that, Theo has had a few punches landed on him by Jim in the past, and a few bloody noses. And you realize that that is an act as well. Mm-hmm. He could absolutely destroy Jim Gordon in a fight. Uh, and we have, an I thought it was a great fight scene. And again, because I think like Ben McKenzie does physical fights uh, and, and action. Uh, really really well i absolutely loved it it felt really visceral it felt real it it felt um properly brutal but with an air of galavan being above everything even though he's being really quite physical against jim it's like he held it so well just that that air of aloofness of not Really wanting to get his hands dirty, but when push comes to shove and when the mood suits him, he kind of quite likes it and wants to indulge in it. And I mean, he bet down uh, Jim proper. And I really, really like
1: that fight scene. I I totally agree with you. It was one of my points as well. Um, Just the idea of the two of them fighting was really, really good to finally get that moment where they can just go all out at each other effectively. But it is Theo that totally proves that, you know, Jim is nothing on him. This is a trained clearly trained uh killer and a clearly trained fighter uh who's using all of his abilities against Jim here, you know. Um really, really good moments. Um it kind of struck me as a little bit like uh Rachel Ghoul, um that kind of train training that he may have. Uh, I think I mentioned in a previous episode that I have a feeling because of the order Sun Duma uh, involvement, uh, had a feeling that possibly Galavan is their Asriel. So, um, that's a very, very likely that now that that's the kind of training that they give their acolytes or, uh, or as they say in this episode, their penitents, um, that they give them this kind of uh, physical training to have a champion for the Dumas or for the order of St. Duma um, and possibly Theo is that champion. That's why he's got this training and this physical ability. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Really good. But, but Derek, what's one of your other points? I'm going to take the other big point of the episode. Um, 'Cause it's it's huge, the whole concept of Bruce and Selena and Silver, um, really, really good and this caught me completely unawares. I totally thought Bruce was gonna be taken for a punk again. I thought this was that Tom the knife had been employed by um by Silver's family, by the Galavans, uh, to kidnap uh, Bruce uh, to take him away. Uh, I love the twist. I love the whole concept. Really, really enjoyable seeing a very smart Bruce, a very intelligent Bruce using his relationship with Selena as well um, to to twist the knife in in uh in silver. You know, really good to get that finally get that information out of her as to who possibly is the killer of the Waynes, um, really, really good to, to get that. Uh, some of the really cool scenes in there with Bruce sitting in the chair ta- t- shouting at Tom the Knife in what seems like his first Batman voice to me. Yeah. Uh, where he says, you have one chance, let us go. Uh, that's really the first time we've heard that kind of gravel to uh, to Bruce. Um, really sold this. I, if I was in the position of silver, I totally would have thought that he was being murdered in another room. Um, big
0: time, big time. I mean, uh, Tom the Knife, like, gives him three pretty meaty slaps across the face. Mm-hmm. And I love Tommy Flanagan. He's one of those with, um, you know, just a great face on him. You know, it tells a story in itself. It's mm. like machete, um, in that sense. You know, you've got the, the scarring. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, he was in Gladiator. He was in Sons of Anarchy with Donald, uh, Logue. So really, really, um, good to see him, uh, here as well. Yeah. But, I love the way he goes, Um, you think I won't hurt you because you're a kid. That's what your parents thought. You know he's really threatening, he does intimidation so well, and he looks so like mean and and um that he can really do this kind of interrogation and torture and I mean, the thing I loved about this whole kidnap scene is that you're there going well. Is it Wayne Enterprises who have hired him? Mm-hmm. I was thinking, well, is it Silver? You know, is this actually all Silver's act yeah. in order to try and get some kind of manipulation of Bruce? And in the end, what we find is that it's it's Bruce's manipulation of Silver, um, and of course, this is all coming out of the back of uh, Alfred saying you don't have the level of deception to um to to deal with Silver St. Cloud, and of course, actually. This is the great thing about Bruce. He listens to Alfred. He takes on board. He might still pretend that he's not, but he's taking it on board. So what, what does he go and do? He gets someone like Selena to help him with the level of deception required to really, uh, frame, um, Silver into believing that, you know, he has just been whisked off, uh, tied up on a chair to have his fingers chopped off. And I love that. I mean, that to me was kind of almost horror-esque. It it felt like, you know, the moment where a ghost sort of pulls someone and drags them and the door slams. I love that. It was really kind of reminiscent of that. Um, Really heightened the tension there. Um, And I have to say now for Silver St. Cloud, I loved it where she drops her own mask. um, And Tom goes, you know, well, thank you for coming to the, to the party. You know, you, you, thank you for showing up. And I love the fact that, um, Silver says, you know, kind of comes out to play and she says that, you know, my uncle will gut you, uh, if you touch me and, you know, will kill everyone you know and, and love if, if you do this. Yeah. And I love his reaction. You know, he really, uh, really kind of is like just indulging in, in this, other, actually quite hard-nosed uh, individual coming out to play and Absolutely. he can finally, you know, get a measure of his own worth by, by having a go at, at Silver St. Cloud. I really, really like that. Um, I, th- I thought that was really good where she kind of seems to drop the act uh, and, and that's kind of when you know maybe she's not the one behind this, uh, charade. And this was really, really good.
1: I thought. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I really liked seeing that side of Silver because we haven't really seen it in the show that much. You hear her say it to Galavan that she's got Bruce twisted around her finger but you've never really seen this kind of aggressive side to her. Really, really good to see, definitely. Uh, John, do you want to give us your next point? Yes. Um, I love the fact that Leslie Tompkins is getting
0: inquisitive. Um, she really is starting to ask questions in this episode mm-hmm. uh, about Christine Kringle. Where is she? What is she doing? Um, Ed, what do you know about all of these? I'm not saying at the moment that she's suspicious by any stretch, but you know, she has noticed, Christine Kringle, that she's gone now. And I'm sure that you know, other people in the GCPD have, uh, as well. well they are detectives. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, I really, really like this now because hopefully this will start to squeeze, um, Enigma in the GCPD. I mean, he looked really uncomfortable as he was being asked these questions, um, by Leslie. I mean, even to the point that were, you know, when he does start to cry to try and deflect and so on, It feels too late. It feels like it is just sort of turned on very quickly because of the delay of when he said it. But, you know, the story now is that she's run away from Gotham with uh, Detective Doherty, and and so now I wonder... I suppose it's a bit of a holding place, really. You know, how long will we get um, and how long will it take before we we see... um, that this caterpillar transformed into a butterfly, as Ed Nigma has said, it is revealed to his colleagues and his work colleagues. I also think just the whole, the phone going off, I mean... Oswald Copperpot sounds like the most annoying tenant in the absolute world. I mean, it's like he obviously has blocked the toilet or he can't flush it or right. something. And then he's looking for the hot mustard and, and all of this. Well, and as long as you keep him fed with sandwiches, then he's usually OK, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, it's just like he seems to be the worst, most full on guest ever. And you can just see this kind of exasperated look on Ed with the phone continually going off. I mean, you know, he needed his mother. He needed Gertrude, obviously, by this. Yeah. But uh, for me, that was a nice little scene injected into this episode, really just to keep that mystery of Christine Kringle and her disappearance going. And, and I think and just having other members of the GCPD getting inquisitive about where she's gone. And um, and I do feel that that also needs to get wound up sooner rather than later.
1: Yeah, yeah. One thing that does work really well for the character of Ed Nygman, for obviously for, for um, Corey Michael Smith, he plays the part is that he is really awkward all the time and he was before any of this happened. So a lot of the GCPD will be very used to his kind of reactions being awkward and seeming weird and seeming different. So this may be a way that he gets away with the death of Kristen Kringle by saying stuff like this and looking more, looking awkward or acting differently than people would expect. That's almost the way you expect Ed to act all the time anyway. You know, it's, uh, it's kind of, oh, well, he acted really awkwardly when I pressed him about it. Oh, but that's kind of Ed, you know, um which I, which I do like, but yeah the the odd couple moments between uh, between Ed and Oswald on the phone was um, was definitely good fun to see as well uh, see how they're reacting to each other. It feels like Ed is kind of the person that likes to keep his house to itself, likes to keep it in everything in its right place, uh, and Oswald doesn't seem to be like that it doesn't doesn't seem that like this relationship's going to work out very well uh, with the two of them living together
0: yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of um my flatmates from from University. <laughs> um will and, and Robert uh will would like disinfect and, and clean everything mm-hmm. it would be dusted it would be wiped down it would be polished and so on um Robert would have everything spick and span and tidy and I was kind of somewhere in the in the middle of, of these two um but like it kind of reminds me of the fact that Ed Nigma leaves his apartment to go to work at the GCPD, and everything is in its right place, and, and it's all ordered properly. Uh, you remember him with the filing cabinets and the filing system mm. with Christine Kringle. By the time he comes back home, he's probably got to start to work on ordering everything again. because Because... Exactly. Um, Oswald's put the hot mustard on the top shelf, not the middle shelf. And his OCD has been completely blown up uh, by having Cobblepot, who is ordered chaos, I suppose, but chaos nonetheless in his apartment. Yeah. And I really like that kind of exasperated look that Ed Nigma had. Definitely. Definitely. I thought it was really, really good. So,
1: uh, we'll see how they're going to play out in future. Absolutely. Um, so Derek, what's your next point? My next point is the other versus battle. i have got Tabitha versus Alfred. That's really cool to see, uh, you know, get, see another bit of kick ass Alfred getting out of, um, getting out of Wayne Manor to go and take on one of the Galavans. Uh, really good to see this moment because, um, Alfred is definitely a, capable here in taking on Tabitha. Uh, really did feel like something out of Indiana Jones, um, where she's using the whip yeah, against the whip. him. Uh, but also the fact that, that Alfred catches it above his shoulder, behind his back, he catches the whip and flips Tabitha onto the floor um, really, really good. And then she, in turn flips uh, Alfred back around jumps on top of him and starts to beat him uh, as they brawl on the floor Uh, this is really good to see these two go at it you know we said earlier on in the season that Tabitha is becoming a really good character and really central character to the show so uh, I was starting to miss her last week when she wasn't around and giving Alfred something to do where he's going after his boy where he's going after to make sure that Bruce is safe um, and ends off in a battle with one of the strongest females we've seen in Gotham so far you know Uh, really good doesn't end off too well for poor old Alfred, Them No, not really. Uh, he he gets taken off... out with the waist a bit, yeah, not he? he's off in the rubbish truck to the tip. Uh, poor old Alfred. Absolutely. One fight and he's off to the tip.
0: I know. And he get he picks up a wound with the um, the sacrificial knife. Uh, the Wayne knife, there mm-hmm. with embossed on the handle and uh, mm-hmm. he, he kind of get takes that to the side of his
1: um torso there that's so right. he's injured anyway and another knife to the shoulder as well yeah yeah i mean what a shot from tabitha from a, from, uh, a good a good 100 200 meters away it knives like. like um alfred pennyworth
0: um, and like, Reggie stabbed him as well. Yeah. And we know of another person who likes the use of a knife in Oswald Cobblepot. So, I mean, will we in a future episode, maybe? Here's a little thing to, to watch out for. Will Oswald maybe at some point come into contact with Alfred where a knife is also slid between the ribs of, Oof. um, Mr. Pennyworth? But this was a great fight. Um, you know, whips, knives, uh, fists, mm-hmm. you have got, um, You've got Alfred really fighting for survival against a really worthy opponent. You know, he digs into her wound just so that he can get her uh, off him. Um, You know, she really causes damage for this war veteran. Yeah, And I think this was just a really good fight scene. And, of course, yeah, he's getting taken away with the trash. So what will happen to him once he reaches the tip? You know, is, is Tabitha going to follow him um further to try and really take him down? Or you know, is his wound going to get infected from a tin of old beans or something <laughs> in the back of the or, or, of the truck? What is going to happen? But I, I hope
1: like she hunts him down like a tiger would do. This will be cool. Yeah, I hope it's not the last time we see the two of these go mano a mano. Uh, hopefully we'll get to see it a bit more in future. Uh, John, what's your next point? Uh, my next
0: point is the, is Penguin getting absolutely enraged. Like Gabe... Uh, <laughs> comes to um ed's uh apartment I, I love the fact that obviously you know Cobblepot is not trusting ed here despite mm-hmm. their big chumminess he's given gabe his whereabouts so that he can be called upon at any moment if he thinks things are going to go south so that 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 fits nicely with ed's that fits nicely with oswald's character you know Okay he maybe sees a kindred spirit but he ain't trusting him just yet yep. and um but he doesn't expect house calls though but he certainly <laughs> doesn't know absolutely um and I love that he comes uh, um as Galavan has been released to tell the penguin and we see the absolute sort of cry of exasperation and enraged hatred again for galavan i mean galavan has some serious like worthy enemies and um, and i love that he saves jim in the warehouse because obviously he's been having galavan uh, followed um but he hits poor Jim on the floor. I mean, I Jim know. has just been beaten up by Galavan. He's been beaten up by the cops mm-hmm. um, with, with their truncheons. And now Penguin is asking, Where is Galavan? What is he going to do? And
1: gives, another couple of gives punches. him another <laughs> couple of punches. So, I mean,
0: Jim is like having a seriously rough time. I must say, I did chuckle at, at this. You know, he's so desperate to find out where Galavan has gone, what yeah. he's doing. That, you know, he's just punching poor old Jim Gordon, who's just had, you know, seven bells knocked out of him. Right. Like, really, um this is really good. I mean, I suspect Oswald still has a lot to do with Galavan's future. I think he really does, you know. Galavan has made a serious enemy by
1: killing his mom. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, the scream itself of uh, of where is Galavan sounded really like his 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 cry of joy, almost of uh, that he was the king of Gotham. It really did sound like he's shouting to the heavens this time in anger, as opposed to joy as as he was at the end of last season. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely a good scene. Derek, what's your next point? Uh, my next point is our Bullockism of the week. <laughs> I'm going to pull it into our points for this week. Uh, there's a couple of little ones for me this week. uh, Really enjoyed. And probably just the way they're delivered by Donald Logan, the episode I love when uh, Captain Barnes comes back into the GCPD and he says, uh, I thought we were going to have at least a week without, without any trouble and then calls out to him going, Hey, chief, did you get my flowers? Um, <laughs> yeah, nice little, absolutely. nice little touch. That was really good. Uh, and I also loved his commentary when he walks into the sewer and says, um, just when you think you've seen Gotham's last jewel, she reveals herself like a flower. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and Jim says, I think you're mixing your metaphors. And he goes, Jim, I'm in a sewer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really good. Good little bullockism of the yeah, week. Always really, good to Really, really good. I even like, you know, Captain Barnes
0: came in with you know a high end rub and tug joint um for <laughs> for the the church come um brothel come uh you know massage parlor right. whatever like you know the idea that a sacred um hallowed ground has been turned into a brothel it, it is it can only happen in Gotham a- you know? absolutely
1: especially because they were offered um purchased by the Dumas, effectively, they were offered to be to be purchased by Galavan, refused it and gave it to a Chinese massage parlor instead. Um it's a church. I love this. This is only happening in Gotham. It's Exactly.
0: Good. And then um like Harvey has got a good punch on him. Like down in that crypt mm-hmm. in the sewer. Um Like, he gives that, that monk a good old bash and then chucks him into one of the columns and it just disintegrates. And like, I love then that the hands go together and he starts to pray, don't come down, don't come down, you know, (laughs) the, 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 the sudden, Agnostic suddenly becomes heavily involved with faith of at course. this one
1: moment. Really, really, crazy. yeah, because he even calls it out earlier on the and the episode that his uh, his contact uh, Father Francis believes in all that that religious mumbo jumbo. <laughs> but of course, he's spent praying the minute something bad happens, and he could possibly be crushed by the roof falling in. Uh, yeah, really good, proper yeah. Irish, I'd say. <laughs> Absolutely, and John, do you want to give us your final point? Absolutely, um, it is how Bruce,
0: in his own little way um manipulates what he does with um Silver St. Cloud and the plan that and the team up that he has with Selena to really express his true feelings to Selena. And oh, um, yes. you know, at the start Selina says to him, you know, kind of giving him a bit of a pep talk when he just before he goes to deal with uh Silver St. Cloud, the best liars always tell the truth. Um, you know, uh and as they're concocting this this plan. And then that inquisitive cat nature where she asks what Bruce whispered to Silver St. Cloud as they're putting the plan into action,
1: um, in just outside of uh, the school and. I love that you called it the inquisitive cat nature because when she says it and then immediately goes, but I don't care, you don't have to tell me. It's exactly like a cat would do, where it looks really interested in something and then you you try and be you try and be nice to it and then it turns its back on you and walks away. You know, uh, I like the way you called it the inquisitive cat. Nature, yeah, exactly.
0: So. You know, curiosity killed the cat, yeah. and in this case, it's like, look what's what's in the box. What's in the box? Uh, okay, well, I'm not going to pretend that I was that interested exactly. with nothing being there, but there is something in this case that there's something really important because um the kiss the the whisper to silver saint cloud as part of this plan and um, is actually really directed um for selena oh, this yes. is where he is not lying to silver he's being honest to himself and saying the words silver just happens to be there but it should be selena and, and bruce just says explains what he whispered to um to silver and says um i said that i've never met anyone like her and um, i trust her with my life and i'm tied and i'm tied to her in a way that i can't explain but i wouldn't change it um it's not a lie uh, and it's all about selena and it's bruce's first crush and he's being really heartfelt and open towards her she kind of gets awkward and she pulls back and then she has to hop off and leave and she goes, it's good to see you changing but don't change too much. Oh, like lovely, This is
1: a really nice moment for these two and I, I thought that was really, really good. Yeah, it is absolutely lovely seeing that scene but I do like that Selena closes it out by saying I'm going to steal one of your cars to get back into town. <laughs> um, yeah, but I yeah, But she does look really <laughs> awkward talking to him uh, after he said that to her. I do think he probably melted her heart a little bit towards him. Uh, it's a really smooth move by Bruce, to be honest. I think that's really cool. It's, uh, you know, moving it towards good old uh, swinging Bruce from um, from the older versions of Batman. Uh, I like that he's got a little bit of style and a little bit of a coolness about him. You Absolutely. Know? Super cool. So, Derek, what's your final point? Well, the one final point that we haven't really talked about is kind of a bit of a discussion point. We now have a name for the murderer of the Waynes i know yeah this is a biggie m malone m malone indeed interesting so uh is it isn't it what do you think i'm very intrigued by this i think it's it's quite interesting it sounds like silver is sharing the actual name i don't think she would have um she would have been that scared of what her uncle would do to her after uh sharing the name if it wasn't the real one and um, so i'm really intrigued to see uh if we do have an m malone or if Possibly it's just a cover name for Butch Gilzean, maybe, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, M. Malone. And what does the M stand for? Mugsy Malone? <laughs> Molly Malone. Maybe. Molly Malone.
0: It is St. Patrick's Day yeah, this absolutely. week in Ireland, so maybe Molly um, We have a Malone and he is, um, well, no, we have a Malone. He or she is um, potentially um, a killer. Yeah. A killer yeah. of Wayne's, of Thomas and Martha Wayne. Um, but is it really the killer is it just a pseudonym is it just a a, a cover as you say mm. or is it made up is it still fabricated is it still something to to send bruce down a trail which really leads to uh, an empty chest and uh, what is the significance of this name will we hear it again because now it's out there in the ether
1: mm-hmm.
0: how does that play out It'd be really interesting. I presume we now see, uh, Bruce trying to investigate this name. Mm-hmm. We still have the computer down in the proto bat cave as well. That's true. Will that throw up an M Malone in terms of some of the records yeah. held on there? You know, again, the fact that Tommy the Knife could just have easily, um, been from Wayne Enterprises, um, all the nutcases and, and, and the the um, the burn victims are still under Indian Hill as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much uh, nefarious and bad stuff going on in Gotham. I mean, it's proper
1: juicy. Yeah, it's yeah, great, absolutely. It is interesting that they didn't go with Joe Chill for this. The fact they didn't call out the name Joe Chill, which is kind of the recognised killer of uh, of Martha and Thomas Wayne, um, so that that strikes me as. Um, since they didn't go with the comic books, it is possible that M. Malone is a cover name for somebody else, or possibly just for Joe Chill. It's a, it's just a cover name for him, or it is just them uh, throwing Bruce completely off the scent. So, um, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, hopefully, we'll get to see it later on in the season. I'm really hoping that we get this storyline wrapped up within season two. That we have the murder of Thomas and Martha Wayne found, and that potentially Bruce has some something else to focus on. Um, some other people to focus on or some other activity to focus on away from this investigation. Cause as I said, at the beginning of the season, it's been a little bit slow. It's great to now get a name and great to now have a more of a focus for Bruce. Now. And I loved the scenes that were within this episode where he's, uh, where he's getting that information out of silver.
0: But it's still one of those things, you know, it's like the name or, or the backstory of the Joker. Um, part of the fact that Bruce never really f- finds out till much later, um, the name of of the killers, is something that drives him. Um, This is, you know, this is one of the big questions ultimately of this show. To what extent do you reveal it and expose it now mm. the same with the joker the same with the killer of thomas and martha wayne you know is this for later in his life is this where he gets torn up so much that when he does find out um he has to become the batman or it, it creates his largest nemesis you know from uh, the tim burton's version where it's actually the joker right yeah you know yeah, the, um so yeah, really interesting, massive um reveal, so we'll see. Any notes at all for this No, episode? I have no notes for this. Uh, this was a really good episode, which had so many large points and beats in it that
1: i don't think i have as such any particular notes yeah this um, only one that i particularly liked was just the battle that was happening in the massage parlor i don't know why i've always liked battles that took place uh with those chinese uh, walls the paper walls yeah it's something that i've always liked i don't know why you build paper walls because i just get this feeling that you just throw people through them all the time and i have to replace them every week you know um there's something about it that I always i suppose because i watched a lot of uh a lot of martial arts films when I was a kid. Um, it's always something that that's why you have paper walls to throw people through them. So we probably shouldn't ever get paper walls in our home. Um, <laughs>
0: no, absolutely. I mean, I suppose the only thing really for me is just, I think all the cards fall into place here. Mm-hmm. You know, the Gallivan's mask slips as he says, you know, he is a Dumas and um, he is atoning for their betrayal. The order of Saint Dumas are his family's protectors. Like that's really, really good. Um, sort of history lesson, I think, for Gotham. I, I really hope that this kind of works its way into sort of exposing the course of owls as well. That mm-hmm. would be really cool, I think, because it just, it, it reminds me so much of that. And uh, these ancient battles in Gotham between very rich families, mm-hmm. uh, people of influence, people of power, and people who prefer to stay and remain in the shadows. And that is one of the fantastic parts about um the the whole gotham universe uh, the whole uh, batman universe and so on is is that uh, villainy and treachery it's really really good to see it coming
1: uh, through in the show yeah fun episode overall i really enjoyed this one really looking forward to seeing episode 11 that was the uh, the mid season break in the us um which i presume means we're going to get a very big cliffhanger at the end of episode 11 and then we'll get episode 12 the following week, which is Yeah, awesome. which is great. Yeah, I
0: mean, I would definitely give this four high-end rug and tugs uh, out of five. Um, You know, th- this tugged on my heartstrings, and it was rugged throughout with all these battle royales. Um, it was just really good to see these head-to-heads uh, going on. Um I really liked it. And it was good to start to see, you know, Galavan's plan like, actually come into fruition. We, we thought it'd been stalled by his incarceration. Um, but obviously, uh, that wasn't to be the case. Um, you know, I think some of these elements, how they deal with M. Uh, Malone, how they deal with the disappearance of Christine Kringle, and I suppose ultimately, um, the big, battle royale that's going to happen i presume in the next episode with Gallivan. how these all start to play out i think will be important for this episode because this episode has really set it up Um, and and to see how that's done uh we'll certainly um see to what extent these are connecting nicely and because there's still a lot of other uh, aspects in play like i said with indian hill and, and with the nefarious board of uh, Wayne Enterprises. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really good. Uh, I think with that, it's time to get on to
1: our feedback.
0: Um, Yeah, our first bit of feedback is from Annalise Peters, Tabitha versus Alfred made my day when I watched it, she says. Well, other than the final outcome of it, she goes. um, And Alfred is slowly creeping his way up my list of favourite characters. He's still behind Nygma, but becoming a close second, especially after meeting Sean in person. Well, absolutely, um... Alfred, I think, for, for me at least, but I think I can speak for, for Derek is like one of our favourite characters here. Um, certainly on the goodies side, um, Absolutely. as such. Team good guy. Team good guy. Um, like really, really good. Um, not only him on his own like we really loved this the episode last year for season one where he teamed up with harvey bullock you know it took him out of wayne manor it took him away from bruce wayne really really good Mm -hmm. and it was great again to see him operating away from bruce wayne this time on his own really enjoyed it um and yeah that the um the 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 fight between Tabitha and Alfred was fantastic to watch. Definitely agree. And, um, yeah, that sounds great that you met him in person. Obviously, we've uh, interviewed him um, over the phone line. Really nice guy. So generous with his time. So, yeah, absolutely. Alfred is one of um, the stars of of this show, definitely, for, for us. Yeah, and it was also really nice meeting him in, at New York Comic um, Con. Absolutely. Really yeah, nice. like really nice uh, chap.
1: Um, loves
0: his lap sang Sushon.
1: That's right. That's right. You guys talked tea. Yeah, that's really good yeah. fun. And our other piece of feedback comes in from Natalie. She says, uh, Oh, this is a fun ride this week. Um, we have an alliance with the better angels of Gotham's underworld, Selina and our knife wielding friend to bring down a bigger bad guy, whoever it was that killed the Waynes. And we have a very clever deception, putting Bruce in fake peril to see what Silver will say to save him. Too bad she only gave up a name to save herself. If anyone is still complaining that there's not enough hints of Bruce's destiny as the Batman, you can point to this episode as evidence of how close he is to getting there. Uh, Really good point, uh, Natalie. Really, really good point. Yeah, and she does go on to
0: say that, and we have the cementing of the Bat-Cat bond, uh, with the acknowledgement that Selina Kyle is one of the best things for him. Absolutely uh, loved uh,
1: Great way of putting it, the
0: Bat-Cat bond, absolutely.
1: Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, on the thought of M. Malone, uh, Natalie says, By the way, the name Silver finally gave up is probably f- fake, especially if it leads to Matches Malone. From what little I know of the canon on him, he's a con man, not a hitman or assassin, sophisticated enough for a hit that looks like a mugging. On the other hand, he could have been set up as a patsy by whoever was in Theo's envelope. Uh, yeah, really interesting. They have in the past taken names from the comic books for Gotham and uh, used them slightly differently in the TV show. Uh, really interesting, though, to see who uh, who M Malone or Matches Malone is, uh, if if that is the full name of the uh, of the person revealed in tonight's episode.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's a good call out there um, for sure, Natalie. Um, so Matches Malone, I will have to do uh, some further digging.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely, um, but yeah, that would be a great way of again further just making it um, sort of cloudy and opaque this whole world of the murder of Thomas and Martha Wayne, which I, th- I think is really important to retain that. I really do. But it's nice to kind of get these threads that you can investigate in the show but that's a really good way of doing both those things i think absolutely mm-hmm. and i certainly agree with natalie uh, where she thinks that theo gallivan must be a proud graduate of the bond villain university absolutely took that you know um, intricate plan that will succeed wildly until the hero thwarts it at the very last moment check as she goes and um, i think um, cartoonish exaggeration check and um, drop a few of the last puzzle pieces uh, into uh, your hero's lap while you have him completely at your mercy um, and ready for death check uh, leave says hero presumably to die but make sure that you don't actually witness the the event and um, waiting for you know a final uh, meet up between this hero and villain check uh-huh. um, and and Absolutely. It is very Bond villainy, but it's so good. I do think that the exaggeration of Theo Gallivan is done really well. Um, and I love the beat down. I, I mean, when I say Bond villain, I certainly don't mean it as um, any criticism of it. Yeah. I think we've seen this all the way through the line that the villains are um, pretty Bonds they come from the you know, the nineteen seventies, sixties and seventies Bond villain school and definitely, but they are great. Theo is a great villain, absolutely. Yeah. But I love the fact that he, he just ticks all these tropes of what a big bad villain is. In a Bond film would do. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well spotted, Natalie. You certainly got more of the tropes than I did, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Natalie does also include Tabitha uh, and her whip, that, you know, this is the um, super powered henchman check. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely. Um, straight out
1: of 007. Yeah, definitely, Natalie. Totally agree. Uh, Natalie finishes off with awesome episode with an even more epic one left in the half season. <gasps> She teases us. I know, really looking forward to seeing that one. Uh, Thanks so much for that feedback. Yeah, thank you so much, Natalie, for your
0: feedback. And also to Annalise as well. Um, Really appreciate hearing your thoughts and discussion points on this. It's really good. Yeah, so if you have any feedback um, on the episodes of Gotham so far in Season 2... And um, please
1: send them in to feedback at com. Yeah, and you can also follow us on Twitter, just on Gotham TV Podcast, or join the Facebook group, as we mentioned earlier on. Just search for Gotham TV Podcast. Uh, very soon, we will be covering episode 11 of Gotham, but we will also be going to the cinema to watch Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Really looking forward to seeing that movie.
0: Yeah, can't wait to see it. Um, absolutely, we will be reporting on it uh, on the podcast. At some point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We'll be looking forward to covering that.
0: But remember to hear our coverage, um, and podcast of season two of Gotham, as well as our thoughts, um, and excitement over Batman v Superman. Um, please, uh, find us on gothamtvpodcast.com com forward slash iTunes or just search Gotham TV podcast in any good podcast catcher, Stitcher, Player FM, Podcast Addict, Beyond Pod, um, and, Subscribe to us there, leave a review, uh, and uh, we will pop in weekly to your headsets and to your earphones, and our soft, dulcet
1: tones will talk soothingly about (laughs) Gotham. That does sound like we make people go to sleep, but hey, hey, whatever way you want to listen to us. Exactly. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. We will talk to you again for next week's episode. Absolutely. And as friends said,
0: you are a strong, confident woman. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.
1: Thanks for being a Butch supporter. Butch loves you, baby. This has been a Flickering Myth Podcast Network production. For more information, head over to flickeringmyth.com for more shows like it. Find this show in iTunes by searching for the podcast name and head over to youtube.com forward slash flickering myth to subscribe to the Flickering Myth movie show. We'll see you on the next podcast.
0: Take care. Bye-bye.